Well, welcome again, folks. And uh, if you've been here the last uh, two or three weeks, then you'll know that... Um, I did that, by the way, because it reflects up into the cameras. Uh, you'll know that we've been doing this little series called The Good Confession. And uh, I'm going to kind of round that off and then just kind of bring it up into the whole Easter thing. And just to, just to say that when we talk about a confession in this context, we're not talking about confessing sins. We're talking about actually a profession, an acclamation. And uh, we, we've been teaching about that this last two or three weeks. First week, we, we looked at, at Peter and his good confession. Jesus said to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And then he asked them the question, who do you think I am? And Peter was able to say in that moment, he said, uh, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then uh, last week, Dennis preached and talked about Martha at the tomb of Lazarus. Lazarus had died and been in the tomb for, you know, a couple of days. And Jesus went there and raised him from the dead. But prior to that, there was this wonderful kind of poignant exchange. And, and Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life. And in response, Martha said, she said, you know, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that was another good confession. We're going to look at a third one of those at the moment. But before we do that, just so that you get the story so far, we're going to watch a little video clip. Thank you. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone and let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, they said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. The good confession. It's extraordinary, isn't it, that Jesus went to the Jewish nation, and many of his followers were Jews. But those who should have recognized him should have seen that he was the Messiah, didn't. The scribes and the Pharisees, they should have been the one that was well, making the good confession. Instead, on that day, on that first Good Friday, as we call it, they mocked him. They witnessed his crucifixion. They said to him, if you are the Messiah, come down from that cross now, then we'll believe in you. Truth is, nothing could have been easier. Jesus could have done that, but somehow he did more than that. And it was left not to the Jewish leaders of the day, those to whom he'd been sent, but it was left to a Roman oppressor, a centurion who was rotted in on that day the irksome task of crucifying this week's crop of criminals, because that's what they were. Criminals, lowlifes, murderers, rebellious types, troublemakers who'd been sentenced to death. And he was roted in 
to perform that, as I said, irksome duty that day. But this was going to be a day like none other. And as, as, as the Christ was hoisted up, as he breathed his last, this centurion just doing his duty, suddenly something happened. And instead of, instead of doing and barking orders and going about his business, from his lips came the good confession. Surely this man was the Son of God. A wonderful moment. Now, thank God, thank God that that's not the end of the story. If it had been the end of the story, then, you know, we, we may be, we probably, we wouldn't be here. But some of us may have an interest in such things, and we may have read about this, this Jewish leader who led a movement in the first century, whose teachings were, were highly regarded by friend and foe alike. It wasn't the teaching of Jesus, by and large, that the Pharisees had problems with. There were some issues, but he was a rabbi like them. But they, basically, he would have just joined the ranks of the also-rans. But something happened. Something took place beyond a crucifixion on Good Friday. Let's pick up the story with another little video clip. Thank you. See, Jesus had told them that he had to go to Jerusalem, that he had to endure the cross, that he would be despised, that he would be rejected, that he would be beaten, and he would be crucified. And on the third day, he would rise again from the dead. He told the disciples this, his, his close followers, that 12 or so that, that sort of went through everything with him. But they didn't believe him. How could they? People don't rise from the dead. He told them that. But on that first Easter day, as the sun was beginning to rise, in fact, even before that, the women blessed them who had followed Jesus and, and taken care of, sort of all the, sort of the group's daily needs, they were up early. Why were they up early? Because the body had been buried in a hurry, and it hadn't been subjected to all those, those, those rituals and routines that one would want to do for one's loved one. And they were up early, and they went to the tomb, hoping to finish off that which had been started. But there was a problem. Who was going to roll away the great big stone in front, of the, uh, in front of the tomb? They hadn't thought this through. And as they're going there, suddenly as they draw close, they think, oh my gosh, how are we going to do that? But when they get there, something curious has happened. The stone has already been rolled away. This caused some consternation and some alarm. One of them goes into that tomb, and yes, there is an angel there. We read it a little earlier. And the angel says this, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. He is not here, he is risen. He is not here, he is risen. And how would you be in that situation? I'm not sure that I would sort of go, oh yeah, he said he would. They've been through an emotional tumble dryer. 
over the last two or three days. A week ago, they were riding into town and the whole world was going wild, saying, Hallelujah, Jesus is the Messiah, He's here. And then Thursday happens, Gethsemane, and Jesus is arrested. Friday happens, He's crucified. They've had to sort of lie low through the Sabbath, which was Saturday, and now it's Sunday, and the stone has been moved, and now there's an angel, and what? And they go to the disciples, and the disciples don't know what to make of it, but Peter and John start to leg it to the tomb. They race to the tomb. Can it be true? John gets there first, and as he gets there, he kind of suddenly comes to his senses and he, he holds back. But Peter, he's that kind of, you know, that kind of character. He just pushes through. He just goes straight in and emerges, as in that video clip, with the grave clothes. I love it how they start to laugh. Because it's, it's beginning to dawn on them that what he said is true. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus spoke the truth. I love it. And some thought the body had been stolen, and some, some had, you know, there were all sorts of quick theories going around the disciples, but those two, they get there and they get it. Jesus is not gone. He is not gone. He's back. He's back. He is back. He is risen. Thank you. Let's pick up the story. Because there were one or two, and I love the honesty of this. There were one or two, Thomas in particular, we'll hear about him, who really struggled with this. Let's see how it goes. I've skipped around a bit, my dear AV people. I'm actually now going to John chapter 20, and I'm going to begin at verse 24. Okay, I think it's the second of the readings. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, <laughs> Put your finger here. Come on, son. Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas wilted. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, it's true. He's not gone. He's back. He's risen. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. 
Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's purpose in writing this account of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, is so that you might make that good confession. Wasn't it great that Peter got there and made a good confession? Wasn't it great that Martha made a good confession? Wasn't it great that a Roman centurion made a good confession? But John wrote this for those who did not see Jesus in that room like Thomas did, for those who believe and yet have not seen and yet make the good confession, as we're calling it. This has been written for you. You've been brought by a friend. You've come because you're part of this community. This is Easter Sunday, 2014. And you are here by divine appointment. God wants to challenge you. As Jesus challenged Thomas and asks you the question, are you ready to make that good confession that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God? that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And that includes me too. You see, the resurrection, probably more than anything in the Christian faith, changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. Other than that, it's just a, 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 you know, a sad story, something to learn from, maybe, something to think and ponder about, something to reflect upon, some teachings to take on board and to try and live one's life by. My father-in-law was like that. He didn't come to faith. He didn't become a Christian until his, in, in his 50s. But for a, a curious reason, when he was at Cambridge at uni as a young man, he, he met some Christians. And, and although he didn't want to become a Christian, that didn't work for him, he, he was taken by the teachings of Jesus. And he went into business and he tried to apply his, those teachings to his business. And he built a very large and very successful business. He took on the philosophy of Jesus, but not the person of Jesus. But that came later for him. Praise God. You see, the fact of the matter is that when Jesus died on that criminal's cross, he was dying not just because uh, you know, he had been betrayed, not just because he'd been accused, not just that he'd been, he'd been strung up by the centurion. He hung on that cross, paying for the sins of the world. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. And through this glorious thing that theologians and Bible scholars call substitutionary atonement, where, where another takes your sin upon themselves and pays the price. That's what Christ did on the cross. He died on that cross that your sin, my sin, might be placed upon his shoulders. And we then walked scot-free. That was what Jesus was about that day. The resurrection changes everything because if Jesus had just died on that cross, well, then it was just a nice little idea. But the fact that he rose from the dead, the fact that God raised him from the dead, that God improved and God gave him that, that great privilege of being the firstborn from the dead, as the scripture calls it, now, he stands before us and offers us that same blessing, that inheritance, that gift. 
Jesus said, I have come that they may have, that you may have life. Life in all its fullness. So Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect one, takes our imperfections upon himself, clears away that thing that stands between us and God. He then raised, is raised from the dead, and God, God the Father is pleased to have him ascend into heaven and reign and rule at his right hand. But what does that mean to you? That means to you that sins can be forgiven today, this Easter tide in 2014, that you can change your eternal destiny because God will vouch for you. The Son of God, Christ himself, will vouch for you. That's at the very heart of the Christian gospel, that Jesus did not die and stay dead, but he rose from the dead and now vouches for you in the presence of Almighty God. That is awesome. That is wonderful. That is worthy of praise and adjuration because it includes everyone. Not just the nice people. Not just those who are trying to live a good life. Not just the pastors and priests and prophets and the rest. God bless us all. But God the Father has said that this is for everyone because I love the world. This is the heart of the Christian gospel. This is the heart. So what about us? Are we ready to make that good confession, that, that profession? Uh, are we ready? Are we ready then to, to receive Christ? You know, some of the old hymn writers said there was a great hymn called And Can It Be? It's a wondrous thing. You can't kind of get your head around it. It takes time. Maybe you're sat there thinking, what? What's this Chris Lane guy on? Can that be true? It is true. That's why I'm excited about it. That's why 2,000 years on, we today celebrate with Christians the world over the fact that Jesus is alive. And that's worthy of celebrating. And I'm going to do something. Uh, I took, we did this at the last service. It worked out pretty good, I have to say, but it was a big risk then. It's slightly less of a risk now. But I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up now. And the risk I'm going to take is this. First off, Sam said to me, our worship pastor, said to me this morning, he said, I've written a new song. I finished it at one this morning. Can I sing it? And I thought, ooh. <laughs> is it about God? You know. I hope so. I've heard it once now, and it is, so we're all right there. It's about God. Actually, it's a wonderful song. And we're going to do something that we don't usually do here. In fact, I can't honestly remember when we've ever done it. Because it's so new, I'm going to get Sam and the, and the worship team to, to do it, in a sense, as a performance song. But we're going to have the words come up, so if you get the kind of idea, you, please feel free to sing it. You can stand, you can sit, do what you like. But while this is going on, I'm buying a little time. And the reason I'm buying a little time is, is this. I want to ask you that question. Have you made your good confession?
You see, Jesus just didn't die for Peter and Martha and the centurion. He died for you, that you might have life. Have you made your good confession? Well, I'd love you to just sort of think about that. And then maybe at the end of this, in fact, I will do this. At the end of this song, I'm going to come up and I'm going to invite any of you who want to, and there were a surprising number at the last service, just to come forward and I'm going to lead you in a prayer of commitment to Christ. It may be the first time you've ever done this for yourself. For some of you, you may have been a Christian once and been away for whatever reason. But I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'm not going to weird you out or embarrass you or get you to say something. I'm just going to have... Just lead you in a prayer at the front and then we'll sing a, a hymn and finish off go and have easter eggs or whatever we do but this is going to take a little bit of bravery from you because you're going to have to say to your neighbor excuse me um, sorry can I slip by I'd like to go down the front so you're going to have to push through that embarrassment but God forbid you leave this place having heard this good news go home, speak to your friends and go for lunch, whatever, but in your heart of hearts, you're a little sad because you knew you should have gone forward today, this Easter Sunday in 24, and made your good confession. God forbid that that's what you go away with. So after this song, which you can use as a meditation, whatever, I'll invite you to come forward.